بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى وسلاما على عبادي الذين اصطفى اما بعد in surah al-a'raf allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the story of the previous nations and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, speaks about one of the cities from the bani israel and allah ta'ala asked rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that why do you not uh, speak to the yahud in medina and ask them about these people of the past what happened to some of their forefathers and there is a great lesson in this story allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in surah araf ayah 163 that wasalhum why don't you ask them whom referring to the yahud of medina anil qarya about that city kanat hadirat al bahr that was on the shore of the ocean so there was a city that was by the ocean and this are the dwellers of the city were from the banu israel of the past the banu israel were not just limited to musa alayhis people banu israel extended all the way from israel alayhis salam's children banu israel are the descendants of israel and israel is the name of yaqub alayhis salam so uh, yaqub alayhis salam his other name was israel so the banu israel are the children of yaqub alayhis salam and yaqub alayhis salam had 12 children 12 sons 10 from one wife and to bin yusuf and bin yamin so these 12 sons became the fa- uh, founders of the 12 tribes and ibrahim alayhis salam i mean this is uh, yaqub alayhis salam is a grandson of ibrahim alayhis salam yaqub bin ishaq bin ibrahim khalilullah so between yaqub alayhis salam all the way to the time of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam many uh, centuries of the banu israel so sometimes when we hear about the story of banu israel we think it is limited to lifetime of musa alayhis salam that is not the case um so daud alayhis salam and sulaiman alayhis salam and yunus alayhis salam all of these anbiya who came in shuaib alayhis salam and um all the way to yahya zakaria and isa alayhis salam were all in the bani israel so anyway in there was a town kanat hadirat al bahar it was near the ocean so they had a specific commandment from allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the commandment from allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for them now since they were living next to the ocean uh, their primary source of their income and their livelihood was through the sea by fishing and the commandment for them was not to fish on on saturdays So there are three groups with respect to how they dealt with this order of Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala. The one group abstained from it and they asked others as well to abstain from it. They said this is a prohibition of Allah, so let us avoid that which Allah has made haram. And then the second group on the opposite extreme they uh tried to play around with the order of Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala. and try to see if they can find some loophole what they started doing is they started putting up traps on on saturday and when the fish would go into the traps they would close the traps but they would not take it out of the water so the fish is still in the water then on sunday they would take the traps out and they would say that we are uh, not violating till today the, the it's called the sabbath in arabic is yawm as-sabt the sabt word is here in this ayah the saturday and this is what they were doing and then the third group uh were not 
fishing, but they were meeting with and mixing with those who were practically fishing on Saturday. Those who were breaking the commandment of Allah, they were sitting with them, joining with them, having parties with them, socializing with them. So again, the commandment came, do not fish on Saturday. These people had a history of disobeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, had a history of fisk, as Allah ta'ala says here in the ayah. Um, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if He wished, He could have made the commandment easy for them. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if He wishes, He can make it difficult. That's up to Him. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if He sees that a person has talab and sincere desire and wants to follow Allah and wants to come close to Allah, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala facilitates the way towards Him, makes it easy for Him. And if a person is turning his back to Allah, turning away from Allah, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can make the path even more difficult for him. So this is actually the definition of tawfiq. Tawfiq from Allah, you know, they say this is from the tawfiq of Allah, or ask from Allah tawfiq. What is tawfiq? Tawfiq has been defined as tawajjuhul asbabi ilal matlubil khair. That if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brings forth all those means and facilitates the means to uh, allow a person to reach a right uh, conclusion, a right destination, right target, and to accomplish something good. So the facilitation of those means, the things come together that help a person to come towards Allah, that is called tawfiq. And the opposite of that is called talfiq, which is tawajjuhul asbab ilal matlub al-shar. If Allah Ta'ala creates such means, some negative peer pressure, negative environment, uh, people calling you in the wrong direction and you end up getting caught up in that and you head towards destruction. So that is tawfiq. We seek Allah's protection from that and we seek from Allah Ta'ala tawfiq. Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala says for example uh, that those who go forward first put themselves out. First Allah Ta'ala will make it easy for them. Whoever gives in the path of Allah, fears Allah and he believes in the kalima, فَسَنُيَسِّرُهُ لِلْيُسْرَى We will make the path towards Jannah even easier for them. وَأَمَّا مَنْ بَخِلَ وَاسْتَغْنَى Those who are going to be stingy and consider themselves to be independent, they do not eat Allah. وَكَذَّبَ بِالْحُسْنَى And they deny the kalima of Tawheed. فَسَنُيَسِّرُهُ لِلْعُسْرَى We will make the path towards Jahannam easier for them. So what happened here is that these people were disobeying Allah to begin with, right? This, this uh, story that happens here, it seems a bit hard, but we have to understand the background is because they were disobeying Allah, that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then uh, made it harder for them. Allah ta'ala says here, On the day of Saturday, they were breaking the commandment of Allah. That on the day of Saturday, when they are not supposed to fish, all of their fish were coming up in large numbers to the top of the water. And they're just all there. They're just like, come get me, come get me. <laughs> If you don't even look in the water, they're jumping up. They're hopping up and down, going up, saying, come catch me. It's right in the Quran. They're all school of, schools of fish. There's no fishes, right? The plural of fish is fish, right? Anyway, schools of the fish are all on the top of the water. So this is, this is bad enough. But then the worst part is, guess what? And on other than Saturday, from Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, they're just escaping to the depth of the ocean. You try, you fish, you fish, you're not catching anything. You go out before the 
subah sadiq before fajr time the fisherman goes out what does he do jhak marta hai there's two meanings of jhak marna right one is the haqiqi meaning the literal meaning is he puts out the net and and the other meaning is other meaning anyway so he they go and they put out their their nets and they're waiting and haqiqatan jhak mar ke aa rahe they're not getting anything all day they're just waiting there waiting for the fish to come no fish log so this is becoming difficult for them to fulfill the commandment of Allah why did this happen this kadalika interestingly there's a muanaqa uh, there's a sign here of three dots uh, in the Quran you can go back and check it so you know what I'm talking about ayah 163 so these three dots means that you can stop at the first one or you can stop at the second one so you can read it like this la yasbituna la ta'tihim kadalik and then on the days other than Saturday, the fish were not coming in a like manner. So this kadalika is referring to the fish. The fish were not coming in a like manner. And the other way of reading it is that kadalika goes not with the previous, but kadalika goes with the next part. Kadalika nabluhum bimakanu yafsukun. Likewise, this is how I made it hard for them. I tested them and made it more difficult. Bima kanu yafsuhun as a result of their fisk. Meaning they previously were doing fisk and disobeying me. So then I said, okay, you're going to disobey me, then I will make it even harder. So that their scales of sins become even heavier. So when, for example, when Allah Ta'ala speaks about, you know, their hearts are sealed. Uh, so that's not the default status. That's not fair. If to begin with from the get-go, if someone's heart is sealed, they never had a chance to understand the truth. That's, that's not how it happens. It is a person commits sins upon sins upon sins, then that causes the heart to rest. Uh, to rust. Uh, likewise, Allah Ta'ala says, Allah Ta'ala ended up sealing their hearts because of their persisting in their kufr. Their kufr comes first. Because of their kufr, then their hearts become sealed. Um, and likewise, Allah Ta'ala says, Allah has sealed their hearts and their ears and covered their eyes with the veils. They have a dreadful torment. This was not how it started off. They had the opportunity to see, but the ayah before that is, those who are diehard kufar, hardcore, they're set on their path, a way of kufr. It's, it's, uh, it doesn't make a difference when you're going to warn them, Ya Rasulullah, or you don't warn them, they're not going to believe anymore. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives everyone initially the chance. And then they chose the wrong path. So these people had a history of fisk, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even made it harder for them. So now, as I said, there were three groups. The, the one group uh, that continued to socialize, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about them, they sold the other group who was prohibiting. They said, They said to uh, those who are doing the Nahi Ali Munkar, who are preventing from wrong, they said, Why are you advising such people? Allah is going to take care of them, He's going to destroy them. They themselves are abstaining from fishing. But they are still mixing with those who are fishing. So they said, why are you worried about them? Why are you trying to advise them? Why are you trying to correct them? Why are you trying to reform them? Why are you worried about their islah? Allahu muhlikum, Allah is going to destroy them. 
Allah is mu'adhibuhum adhaban shadida. Allah is going to give them a severe torment. So just relax. Take it easy. Don't worry about it. As long as you're not doing it. Let everyone do his own thing. They said, قَالُوا مَعْذِرَةً إِلَىٰ رَبِّكُمْ They said, this is a ma'adhira and an excuse we can present in the court of your Lord. وَلَعَلَّهُمْ يَتَّقُونَ Perhaps some of them may fear Allah and come back onto the right path. Then Allah Ta'ala says, فَلَمَّا نَسُوا مَا ذُكِّرُوا بِهِ But uh, those who were... So what happened is, uh, this group continued to advise them, continued to tell them, stop this, stop this, this is wrong. And when they were not stopping, then they did not continue to remain with them. They actually got up and moved away. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted them to move away. Because uh, when the adha comes in the dunya, the system of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is another ayah of, incidentally from tonight's recitation as well, wherein Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَاتَّقُوا fitnatan, Beware of such an adab. If there's an adab in the akhirah, it's only for those who deserve it. But there's adab also in the dunya. And the nature of the adab of the dunya is that it affects everyone. وَاتَّقُوا fitnatan, Beware of such a worldly adab. لَا تُصِيبَنَّ الَّذِينَ ظَلَمُوا مِنْكُمْ خَاصَّةً That when it comes and it afflicts people, it will not only afflict the ظالمين, it will afflict everyone. So if there's an adab of Allah, an earthquake, a tornado, a hurricane, or any other adab of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the form of a natural disaster or otherwise, uh, then the nature of this adab is that all the sinful people, those who are disobedient, those who are rejecting the adab, they will receive it as well as the believers. Everyone in this dunya. And then in the akhirah they will be separated based on their niyyah. And the reason for that is very simple and obvious. That if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala only gave the adab to those who deserve it and He saved those who do not deserve it in this world, then this is qalb al-mawdu'ah. This is something that is supposed to come in the akhirah. This dunya is the place of amal and the akhirah is the place of hisab and thawab and iqab. Hisab first, then followed by thawab or iqab. Reward or punishment. First accounting in front of Allah, the day of reckoning. Reckoning followed by reward or punishment. So it's hisab, then thawab or iqab or adab. Uh, so they all end with the alif ba. So we have, first, so hisab, as was very, um, subhanallah, uh, very succinct and very comprehensive statement of Sayyidina Ali radiallahu anhu and narrated that he said that um, or is it a hadith marfu'a but the words are the, of the hadith of the narration is that irtahalatil dunya mudbira wartahalatil akhiratu muqbila walikullim minhuma banoon that this dunya very quickly is coming to an end and the akhirah very quickly is approaching walikullim minhuma banoon and both of them have those who are devoted there are those who are devoted to the temporary fani, and there are those who are devoted to the baqi, the eternal. So become those who are devoted to the baqi, the eternal. Don't become among those who are devoted to that which is fani going away. And then the, the crux of the matter is the final concluding statement. For today is a time for amal and there's no hisab. And tomorrow is the time for hisab and no time for amal. So, right. so this is very beautiful. It sums it up. Very comprehensive. Uh, to the point statement. Today, today is the time for amal. There is no hisab. Tomorrow, 
is hisab wala amal. The time for hisab will be there. It's too late to do amal. Too late. You cannot go back to do amal. So if the adab comes such that only the sinful are afflicted and the righteous one are saved, then what will happen? The hisab of tomorrow will become today. So that which is supposed to be iman bil ghayb will become iman bil mushahada. Now the rest of the people, they're supposed to continue to have alladheena yu'minuna bil ghayb. This will become iman bil mushahada. And iman bil mushahada has no value. That's the reason Firaun's iman has no value because when he was nearing death, what happened? He saw Jibreel, uh, he saw uh, the Malakul Maut, Israel, and he accepted Islam. I accept Islam. I believe in the Allah of the Banu Israel. It doesn't have any value. So when our physical eyes are closing, our spiritual eyes are opening. The physical eye, we close it, and even if it comes open, we tape it shut. In the Kitabul Janais, Fiqh of Janais, it is mentioned that you're supposed to close the eye of the deceased, close the physical eye. And Allah Ta'ala says, فَكَشَفْنَا عَنْكَ غِطَاقِ Now we have removed the covering over your eyes. فَبَصَرُكَ الْيَوْمَ hadith. Now you can actually start seeing things. Whereas physically we are closing it, spiritual eye is opening, physical eye is closing. So the iman is iman bil mushada, and iman bil mushada has no value. The iman that does count is iman bil ghayb, iman of the unseen. unseen. On based on what? Based on the trust in the mukhbir al-sadiq. That the truthful narrator, Rasulullah sallallahu he has observed the unseen, he has seen it, he's come back in narrating to us from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We believe in him as a trustworthy narrator. That he went and he saw and he comes back, he received the revelation and he's speaking to us on behalf of Allah. That's the essence of iman. Now if you see it, after that it doesn't count. So that's why the adab will not come only upon the disbelievers in this world. Everyone is together in this world. Like there are many ahadith about this. There's a jaysh, taghzu, what is it? Taghzu, ghaza yaghzu, taghzu al-jayshunil Kaaba. There's a hadith that there will be an army that is going to come to attack the Kaaba. And yufsafu bi awwalihim wa akhirihim. From the beginning till end, the whole army will be destroyed, swallowed up by the earth. Towards the end of time. So Aisha radiallahu anha, she asked, Ya Rasulullah, what about those who are not part of the soldiers? They're there for just logistics or... Uh, they're just selling things or they are local people who just joined uh, um, for business purposes or for some other they're not part of the uh, intent, uh, army invading army they have no intention to destroy the Kaaba so what did Rasulullah say all of them will be destroyed in this world then they'll be resurrected based on their intentions so in the world everyone is together and the Akhirah is وَمْتَعْزُ mujrimun. All those who are the sinners, now you will be separated. So this is the one ayah that Imam Abu Hanifa was reciting in Surah Yasin. When he got to it, then he stopped. And he started reflecting and reciting it over and over and over. He was crying. The whole night he recited this ayah. Why is he reciting this? Because he's reminding himself that today you are among the Salihun. Today you are Imam of the Salihun. And you are Imam of the Fuqaha and scholars. But what about, see the thing in the dunya, everyone's together. On the akhirah, in the yom al-qiyamah, then it will become clear. Those who are hiding among the salihun, but are actually mujrimun, they will be separated. So when the call to separation comes, which side will you be on? Oh Abu Hanifa, he's telling himself. As he said, I love the righteous ones, even though I'm not amongst them, perhaps by this love, by virtue of this love, Allah will give me some piety. So then when the adab was going to come, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told, before the adab came, Allah ta'ala made these people leave. Just like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes the anbiya out. 
Before the adab comes, always Allah Ta'ala extracts his anbiya, his messenger. Then the adab comes. Allah Akbar. So over here, you know, just like the, all of these nations, you know, before the, U, the U.S. Air Force comes and bombs them, shock and awe, what happens? The State Department, they empty out the embassy. The U.S. Embassy staff, when they are going out, then the people know that the bombers are, are coming. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He takes out His messengers, His representatives, before He sends the adha. Now over here, he, these people, they left and then the adab came. قَالُوا مَعْذِرَةً إِلَىٰ رَبِّكُمْ وَلَعْلَمِتَوْنَ فَلَمَّا نَسُوا مَا ذُكِرُوا بِهِ When these people were reminded and then they rejected the commandment, they rejected the re- advice the pro- of those who were prohibiting them. أَنْجَيْنَا الَّذِينَ يَنْهَوْنَ عَنِ Then we saved those who were prohibiting from that which was wrong. وَأَخَذْنَا الَّذِينَ ظَلَمُوا And we caught those who were the ظَالِمِينَ The transgressors بِعَذَابٍ بَئِيسٍ بِمَا كَانُوا يَفْسُقُونَ With a very severe, despicable adab. What was that? قُلْنَا لَهُمْ كُونُوا قِرَدَةً We told them that you turn into become. They, there was a metamorphosis. One is like the caterpillar turns into the butterfly. The tadpole turns into the frog. Remember from biology class or zoology class. So same thing over here was a really not a beautiful butterfly or some type of beautiful frog. Uh, I don't know how beautiful frogs Frogs remind me that there was one, our dear uncle in Ramadan, first Ramadan, all the masjid would get full. He'd say, Mutisab, Barsati, Mirdak Nikalai. May Allah protect us from being the Barsati, Mirdak, right? When the rains, then the frogs come up. We have to be there, here in the masjid all the time, right? We cannot be just like when the rainy season, then all of a sudden you see the frogs. Then where, then where the frogs go? They don't see them, apparently. Right? I never really lived with the frogs, but I don't know. But this, the, the experience of those who you live with the frogs, he used to say that perhaps in his uh, village. So when it's the rainy season, all the frogs appear. Thereafter, you don't see them, apparently. Allahu alam. So let us, let, it, let us not be like the Barsati Mirda. Right? So that was a type of metamorphosis, but uh, that happens. The terrible turns into the frog, the caterpillar turns into the butterfly. Over here, these people turn into a very nasty one. Kunu qirada turned into monkeys. They were turned into monkeys by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But the thing is, uh, <clears throat> subhanAllah, the tafsir, it is mentioned that um, their, their, their aqul, their minds were still humans. And they knew who each other were, they were. And that is to further increase their adab. So they turn into actual monkeys, and, uh, uh, but they're recognizing one another, and they're looking at their own state. Na'udhu billah. What happened? What happened to my hands? What happened to my body? What happened to my face? What happened to myself? And they're so... Uh, they were, their own condition was so despicable that they started hating themselves and how they looked and how their loved ones looked. And within three days, they all died. So that race did not multiply, did not reproduce, they did not, you know, some people try to include that into the Darwin's theory somehow. It's nothing to do with Darwin's theory. Okay, so those, that, that group, they completely, they had the adab of Allah and they were destroyed. Lesson for us here, Allah Ta'ala shows that, subhanAllah, the importance of nahiya anil munkar, to stop that which is wrong. Right? And the importance of da'wah ilallah, invite towards good. So inviting towards righteousness, Amar bil ma'roof, and nahi and munkar in stopping and forbidding that which is wrong is an obligation. It's a faridah. 
And there are so many hadith and so many ayat speaking about this. And this is very, very, very important for us. Because the entire environment around us is inviting us towards kufr, shirk, towards obscenities, towards leaving the fold of Islam. And we ourselves, the only way we can ourselves remain strong on our deen and our children remain strong on the deen is that we have to inculcate within them uh, a confidence in the deen, confidence to the level that they're able to invite towards good. Invite towards deen. To the best form of defense is offense. So they have to have that much conviction in the deen of Islam that they should be able to speak out and invite towards it and prohibit that which is evil. Rasulullah said, Whoever sees a sin, let him stop it with his hand. If he does not have the ability, let him speak against it with his tongue. If he does not have that ability, let him regard it to be as evil from his heart. This is the lowest level of iman. So there are so many evil things happening around us. So if, number one, we ourselves try to come onto the right path, and we think, you know, that's fine and dandy, everything else, you know, live and let live. That's not enough. We will end up becoming a victim of our environment. Sooner or later, we will change. And the, it starts with, even with our family. There are so many, for example, righteous women, they want to implement the deen, but they may have a zalim, tyrant husband who is not letting them. They have to, with hikmah and basira, try to bring their husband onto the deen. There are so many husbands who are so righteous and pious and want to spend time in the path of Allah and spend money in the path of Allah and themselves want to implement the deen. But their wives may have the upper hand and do not allow the deen to enter the home. And they are misguiding the children. There are so many parents, both, are on the deen. They want to practice the deen, but their children are completely leaving the fold of Islam. There are some children as well. Young men and women, they want to wear the hijab, they want to follow the sunnah, keep a beard, but their parents are forcing them not to. Right? So we have to, how long are we going to be able to practice the deen if our own environment is against us? And all of these scenarios are mentioned in the Quran. Ibrahim is Khalilullah, his father Azar is a mushrik. Nuh is Nabiullah, his son Kanaan is a mushrik. Asi is such a pious, devoted woman, her husband is Fir'aun. Lut is such a great prophet of Allah, nephew of Ibrahim salam, Nabi of Allah, his wife is a mushrika. So they dealt with their family members. We also have to deal with our family members. We have to make Nahi al-Munkar. And we cannot just, you know, just let things go and say, oh, okay, whatever, it's just, it's, just a, it's just a wedding or it's just a social function or it's just this one or just that one. So when we start making compromises, then before we know it, uh, you know, we will lose whatever deen we are at we ourselves have so we cannot necessarily speak out you know there are certain conditions if there is going to create a huge fitna then temporarily you can be quiet about it and wait till the right time an example of that from the Quran is Harun salam. that was covered today as well in the recitation one portion of that is today and another portion of it is coming in Surah Taha when uh, when they started worshipping the calf the golden calf the Bani Israel there's a whole long story of Samari the golden calf was making sound. He took some of the soil from where the footprint of Jibreel and he took that and he put it in the golden calf and he started making sounds. So then he, made, he told the Bani Israel, Hada ilahukum ilahu Musa. This is your God, worshipping the cow. He started. So that's a connection between the Yehud and the Hunud. So they were worshipping the cow and uh, when Musa came back from the Mount Tur, he grabbed the beard of uh, Harun and started shaking him. And Harun said, La wala bi ra'si. Yabna umma. Oh, the son of my mother. He didn't say, Oh, my brother. He said, Oh, the son of my mother. 
making, he took wasila and wasta of his mother that would bring softness in the heart of Musa alayhi salam. Oh, the son of my mother, la ta'khud bilihiyati. Please leave my beard. Wala birasi in my hair. Why are you shaking me down like this? Inni khashitu an taqula farraqta bayna bani Israel. Walam tarqub qawli. I was waiting because this was going to create a civil war and they're going to start fighting with one another. They said that let's wait till Musa alayhi salam comes. I was waiting for you and together we can approach this situation. So sometimes you have to wait. You have to have hikmah. Udu'u ila sabili rabbika bil. Hikmah, invite towards the path of the Lord with wisdom. Mu'izatil hasana, beautiful advice. So it doesn't mean that we should become a haram police and start attacking people, say, you're haram, you're haram, and you know, start, no, there's a, a way of approaching people. Sometimes softness, sometimes, you know, you don't have to uh, put anyone down. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, ma balu qawmin yafa'aluna kadha wa kadha. Why is it that some people, they, they did such and such action? He just he didn't identify. Abu Musa Ashari went and had a private audience with Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi said, "Ya Rasulullah, I apologize for my Ashari people. You were referring to us when you corrected us in a very ambiguous manner." Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, "Ma He said, "Ya Rasulullah, that was nice that publicly you did not expose us, but now it's just me and you. I know you're referring to my people. Ma He maintained the honor of Abu Musa Ashari even privately. So maintaining honor, people. Speaking to them in a kind manner. Like the little story that we learned when we were kids about Hassan and Hussein. When they saw the uncle, old man, performing wudu incorrectly, they wanted to correct him. They didn't say, hey, we're the grandchildren of the Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This is not how our grandfather taught us. What did they do? They went to him and he said, oh uncle, you know, both of us have an argument who makes better wudu. So we're going to make wudu and you, can you closely observe, closely observe how you're performing wudu and then you know you can judge between us who is doing the best wudu. So he saw one, subhanAllah, and he said, whoa. And then the other one, then he realized what he was doing incorrect. Look at the hikmah of these young children. Uh, but they are of course the grandsons of Rasulullah Hassanain, Sayyidah Shababi Ahl Jannah the leaders of the youth of Jannah. So we have to have hikmah, how to approach the wife, how to, like Rasulullah when he is correcting his wives, Surah Tahrim tells us, when they actually did, uh, uh, there was a mistake they made, radiallahu ta'ala, anhun, Allah is pleased with them, Allah has forgiven them, and Allah has guaranteed them Jannah, they are Allah's wajal mutaharat, etc, etc. But at the same time, there was some issue that happened, which is beyond the scope of tonight, Surah Tahrim. But when Rasulullah was advising them, فَلَمَّا نَبَّأَتْ بِهِ وَأَظْهَرَهُ اللَّهُ عَلِيهِ What does he say? عَرَّفَ بَعْدَهُ وَأَعْرَضَ عَنْ بَعْضٍ If they made ten mistakes they did, عَرَّفَ بَعْدَهُ Three, four of the things he pointed out. He said, you need to work on this. Aisha and Hafsa رضي الله عنهما. وَأَعْرَضَ عَنْ بَعْضٍ The rest of the things he left it. He didn't count down all the mistakes. Meaning he ignored some of it. So if there's somebody has 10 faults, you're going to uh, uh, shoot him down and say, you know, you got this problem and this problem and this problem and this problem. You count them all. Yani literally it's in the Quran. He ignored some of the things. Because let's work on these three things and then you temporarily ignore it. You're going to come back to it later on a different occasion. Right? So this is, hikmah is required, basira is required, wisdom is required, lutf is required. But at the end of the day, we have to what? Speak out against it. Speak out against munkar, speak out against evil in our, wherever we have an influence, wherever we have some level of authority, we have to. We cannot just let things continue to, to slide. Otherwise, we will be accountable yom al qiyamah. And there are, sometimes there are a few ayats that people pose and 
uh, as an objection and say it's okay to be quiet. One of them is, Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu alaykum anfusakum. Oh, those who believe, worry about yourselves. La yadurrukum man Whoever goes astray is not going to harm you. Inihtadaytum. As long as you are on hidayah. So, this potential misunderstanding from this ayah was identified as early as in, by whom? Abu Bakr Siddiq himself. Where his tafsirs are not too many. Sayyidina Umar, Sayyidina Uthman bin Affan, Abdullah bin Abbas for sure. These are known mufassirun. Abu Bakr Siddiq only had two and a half years to begin with after Rasulullah and he was very conservative with his uh, passing judgments. But this is one ayah where he actually spoke up. And he said, لا يغورنكم. Let this not deceive you. This ayah. Because he says that لا يضرركم mandalla. Those who go astray, they're going astray. is not going to harm you. تم, as long as you are in hidayah. And part of being on hidayah is what? That you are doing good deeds and you're also inviting towards it. That you're abstaining from sins and you're also prohibiting others. So when you are prohibiting others from sin and you are inviting towards good, so you have to do four things. You got to do good and invite towards good. You got to abstain from sin and you have to prohibit sin. If you're doing all of that, then still people aren't listening to you, then it's not going to harm you. But if you are just doing good, not inviting towards good, you're abstaining from sin, you're not prohibiting sin, and then you use this ayah, it's not going to work. Because the people who go astray is not going to harm you in condition is if you are in hidayah. In ihtadaytum. And part of being hidayah is that you invite towards good. Part of being hidayah is that you prevent evil. Like Nuh salam, he invited towards good and he prevented from evil. And now if his son didn't accept, he's not responsible. But if you don't prevent from evil and you say, it's, it's okay, I'm not responsible for other people, then we are mistaken. Is that clear? Uh, the, the second ayah that people misunderstand is from Surah Al-Saf. Ya amru lima taquluna ma la tafalun. Why do you say that which you don't do? This is a major sin in the eyes of Allah. You, you say that which you don't do. So people say that, hey, I can't invite towards good that I'm not myself doing. Or I cannot prevent from that evil which I myself am involved in. So for example, uh, I, have, uh, uh, I have, for example, a bad habit. I'm, I'm involved in smoking. So I can't tell anybody not to smoke. Or if, for example, if I myself... I'm weak in my salah, then I cannot invite towards salah. I myself am weak in tilawah, I cannot invite towards tilawah. I cannot invite towards good that I'm not doing, and I can't prevent from that evil that I am myself not abstaining from because of this ayah. Lima taquluna ma la tafalun. So the answer to that is very simple. This is not referring to amr bil maruf and nahi al munkar. This ayah is referring to making a dawah and a claim. That why do you say you do things which you don't do? So don't go and tell the world or put it on Facebook or whatever, inform people that, oh, I gave so much sadaqah. You know, in that fundraiser, I raised my hand and, you know, and you, you claim that you gave a donation which you never did. Or you claim that you did so much tahajjud that you never did. Or you claim you avoided those sins which you never avoided. That's what this ayah is talking about. Claiming things, giving, making a da'wah. So, Kabur maqtan indallah, it's a major sin in the eyes of Allah, that you say such things, that I did this, which you're not doing. So don't make false claims. That's what the ayah is about. It's not talking about inviting towards good deeds that you are perhaps still weak in, or preventing from such sins which you perhaps are still falling into. In fact, as Hakim al Umad Mullah Shatani used to say, I ponder over myself and make muhasaba and introspect and I look at what are my sicknesses and then I speak about those and I give a wa'ad and a khutbah about it 
so that it becomes easier for me to abstain. It gives me that strength. Like if I have a problem with controlling my gaze, and I prepare and talk about what are the harms of, of looking at haram, then that will strike me, and it will become very more effective for me, because my ears are closer to my tongue than anyone else. And when we speak, we don't say, you people need to do this. You always say, we. Like, what's wrong with me? I don't worship Allah. You don't say second person is always first person. What's wrong with us? We need to improve our condition. So you're always including yourself. Right? So, and another thing to remember, it's just like, this is a very easy thing. I'll, I'll conclude with this. Look, today, this is the month of Ramadan, fasting. There's Som and Salah. Both are obligations. Yes or no? Right. So, Salat is a more of an individual daily ibadah. And it's supposed to be in Jama'ah as well. But we don't have, it's a, a culture where everyone is performing Salah. Whereas there is a culture in Muslim lands where everyone is fasting. Uh, to prepare for feasting together. Right? So, there's a, Som is a cultural ibadah. Both are farad. So there are many people who don't pray five times a day, but then they do fast. So if somebody starts fasting in Ramadan and who doesn't pray salah, would you, be, would you tell him that, hey, since you don't pray, you can't fast? What will you say? MashaAllah, you are fasting, so you should also start praying. They're two different things. So likewise, abstaining from sin is an obligation, and prohibiting from sin is also an obligation. If someone is prohibiting from sin and not abstaining, we'll say, MashaAllah, you are prohibiting, continue prohibiting. But you also have to start abstaining. Likewise, doing good is an obligation and inviting towards good is an obligation. Both are obligations. If someone is inviting towards good and is not doing good, you won't tell them that since you're not doing good, you can't invite towards good. What will you say rather? You are inviting towards good, keep it up. You also have to start doing good. They're two independent commandments. They're not contingent on one another. Just like Som and Salat. So it's a qualification to invite towards good is not that you must be doing that good. And a qualification for prohibiting against evil is not that you must be abstaining from evil. They are both separate commands. So if someone is only abstaining from sin, then we'll tell him you better start prohibiting as well. Someone is only doing good, we will tell him you need to start inviting towards good as well. And someone is on the other hand just inviting towards good and just prohibiting evil, we'll tell him, mashallah, keep up inviting towards evil. Don't have to stop that. Also, start doing, inviting to, uh, start doing good Continue prohibiting from evil, start abstaining as well. They are separate commands. Right? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, That ayat is there. That you are inviting towards good, you are prohibiting evil, the scholars of the Banu Israel. You believe in the book of Allah, why don't you practice as well? So when you invite, doesn't take us off the hook, we have to practice. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq to make amal. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us clarity. May Allah ta'ala grant us the ability to become inviters towards khair. Miftahan lil khair, mighlaqan lil shar. Wherever we go, we change the environment. And if you're not going to be inviting, then we're going to become an invitee. If you're not a da'i, we're a mad'u. May Allah ta'ala grant us all the ability to become da'i, inviters towards Allah, towards the deen of Allah. Wa akhir da'wana, alhamdulillah.